Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I'm your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. Hope you guys enjoyed all the extra interview episodes last week and all the racing last weekend. And we have some cool kind of podcast-related announcements coming soon. But Frenchie, I'm going to start with a non-racing question first. Only one other person, friend of the show and listener, Daniel, has heard this question so far. And I got this from a fitness accounts Instagram like she was doing like a ask me anything and somebody asked her and I screenshot the question on there if you lost the ability to speak and you could only communicate with animal sounds what animal would you use wow <laughs> I, I that is a that. good question like, it's that's awesome yeah and my mind immediately goes to, do I want to be the most ridiculous sound I could possibly be? Or do I want it to be close to something maybe being able to interpret me? And yeah. and a cop out that I immediately thought of was I could be a parrot and just mimic human voice. But that's what, I think that's, that's what Dan said. That's what Dan said. A talking parrot. I think I would go with. I, th- I guess I think I would go with. A dolphin. Don't they have like their languages of them, their own? I think basically like they or a whale, like they're advanced. They have more of a language than other animals. I think that would be absolutely ridiculous too to see just an adult male human making dolphin noises. That would be really accurate. So I thought about this question when I was walking the dog, or which is when I found it. And I thought of either a lion because like, big and tough and loud or an eagle i don't know why like i don't know majestic yeah, is cool. cool yeah that would be cool that's all i have so there's that and i know the ad will come in the middle of the episode at some point when frenchie's ad voice will scare you while you are driving down the road when it switches from podcast talk to ad talk <laughs> but we are re-recording the factor ad this weekend, but I did also want to say I'm literally sitting at my computer right now ordering my next six factor meals. And I have to say they're really, really good. And please buy them to support our sponsor. But also, if you have any questions about what I liked to eat from factor, because I've probably had like 15 or 20 different meals at this point. From there, I've ordered a couple boxes. They're all good. It's like my lunch food. 
And when I eat it, then I don't snack all afternoon. Like it's, it's enough food that I'm not eating shit at my desk all afternoon. So I wanted to add a personal touch to that. Frenchie and I'll do that at some point in the next couple of days for the actual ad read. So we can continue to scare the hell out of you in the middle of the episode. And they also make like smoothies and stuff too, which I have had. Yeah. And they are very good. I have not bought them since I got a sample box, but they were really good. So I guess, you know, now we should talk racing. I don't, I'm like so disheartened by F1, even though it wasn't the worst race, but let's start with IndyCar. Let's start with the obvious question. Oh, let's do predictions first. Where, you know, cause we had Malukas on last week where, how bad were my predictions? Not that bad for the good weekend. You said Scott Dixon and he finished second. So that's a pretty safe option there. Okay. I said Scott McLaughlin, who finished fifth, which that's still a good weekend. And Malukas picked Will Power, who finished third. So oh. everyone was in the top five. That's a win. But I guess you would technically be the highest finishing position. So that's a win for you. All right. Old position, uh, we all got it wrong. It was Colton Herta. I said Pato. He qualified 25th. Whoops. Oh, no, no. You said Pato. I'm sorry. Whoops. I said Kyle Kirkwood, who finished or who qualified third, and Malukas picked Polo, who qualified fourth. So I'm taking that win. Yep. As the person who qualified the highest. And then we asked if there was going to be a first time winner. You and David both said yes. I said no. So I win that one. Yep. So speaking of Alex Pillow, is the championship over? Is it over? No, not to the extent that it's over in F1, I don't think. But a lot would still have to happen for him to slip up now. I mean, a DNF or maybe races that aren't so good at Iowa where it's a double header weekend, something like that. Yeah. And somebody else really has to start kicking it up a notch, but I don't think it's over. I do think, however, this is going to be one of the, I don't know, one of the more like the biggest gap between first and second in the championship that we've had in a while. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, I think this is like the first time in like 17 years or something like that. And no, it's it's not necessarily over per se, but it's definitely, whew, it's, you know, it's, un, I don't say it's unlikely, but even if Alex DNFs two races, whoever is behind him needs to get pole, win, get you know, lead the most laps, everything. So it's, I'm going to say it's still very unlikely. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, the championship battle might not be 110 points like it is now, but I think it will, you know, I think it'll stay above 40 or 50 when all is said and done, if that makes sense. I think we're going to go into the finale where other people are mathematically possible to take the championship, but all Polo will have to do is like pr- pretty much finish the race in, right. you know, as low as 27th or something. That's how right. I feel like it's going to end up going. And I actually had a really interesting stat that I uh, wrote down. 
Yeah. Which is weird. I wrote, I wrote down stuff for the episode this week. This is like a new level of preparation Prepared. for me. <laughs> yeah. But the last four times a driver has won three consecutive races in the season. Okay. Like, I'm going to give you those. And all of these went on to win the championship for that season. So okay. Ryan Hunter Ray did it in 2012. Scott Dixon did it in 2013. And then again in 2020 in the COVID year where he dominated the first few races of the season. And then yeah. Simon Pagano also did it in 2016. So this is not unprecedented, obviously. And none of, I mean, those were championships that went, you know, they, they didn't just kind of end this early in the season. So there is hope. Right. Yeah. I, I think there's, it's definitely, yeah. I mean, Iowa or Gateway, one of these short ovals where Polo has not necessarily struggled, but they are not his, his strongest tracks. But then we get to, you know, last year, you know, he won Laguna by 38 minutes and, and I think it was last year. So, you know, it's, it's definitely not. Yeah. I think it's, you know, the problem is Polo has one finish outside of the top five this year. And yeah. then you have guys like not to pick on them, but Joseph Newgarden or Pato who have had incredibly dominant races, winning the Indy 500 Polo or Pato going from, 25th to to eighth as high as you know third mm-hmm. or fourth at mid ohio but then you know this weekend new garden finishes 12th or 13th or 10th you know he was outside the top 10 essentially all day maybe at the highest he ran eighth on on sunday so it's just it's just not the same level of consistency so even if polo doesn't win another race between today july 6th and september at the end of the year the odds are i mean he's the most consistent driver right now he was consistent last year too even though he didn't win until laguna at the end of the year he was consistent mm-hmm. in his championship year in 2021 so like i feel like it's incredibly unlikely that somebody else is going to come back and win not impossible but like super 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 unlikely I'm looking at his results now from last year and his Iowa finishes were sixth and 13th, which would totally be good enough for him this season to not lose the lead. And then he finished ninth at gateway. So not I mean, bad. yeah, there, if he pulls off performances like that again, then he's going to be extremely hard to catch. He's going to have to have some pretty bad luck at this point. Even, even if he finishes 15th and 18th at Iowa and then, you know, outside of the top 10 at Gateway, let's say, like, you know, things don't fall his way or whatever, he's still, you know, he's still going to relatively be okay. So there's two other things from Mid-Ohio. Trying to figure out where I want to go first. Okay, let's get the easy one out of the way with, or what I think is easy. The Pillow... Kirkwood kind of contact early in mid Ohio that you know Kirkwood lost a couple oh. spots. I said no penalty. My dad said penalty. And since he is not here to defend himself for the next couple of days, I'm gonna say he was wrong. What do you think? That's hard to argue. I'm not sure because 
he definitely didn't give him a lot of room, but also that's not necessarily a place that's really easy to pass. And I tend essentially to not, not that I want to say that Kirkwood does like low percentage moves. Cause I think he's cleaned that up a lot, but I still think he's really aggressive and I don't know. I, I have a feeling that if he hadn't done that, I mean, it probably would have been the smarter move just to not try it yeah. there and to try it later on. So I think there's blame on both of them. I guess I probably would go with you and not give a penalty because if we, I mean, the penalty is essentially for Kirkwood trying to make that move and he gets spun. I mean, yeah. he still finished well. Where did he finish? He finished. Oh, no, he didn't. He finished 17th. But I thought he finished higher up than that because I remember seeing him in the frame on the broadcast at the end of the race, but that was just fighting for like lowly position at that point. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't give a penalty either. I just think it was, I don't think Polo was diving down or cutting across him. I think it was just the natural racing line. That's how I took it at least. So now the, I don't know. I feel like this is like a yearly thing where we have to talk about it. Might be the first time you and I have particularly talked about it, but Benjamin Peterson. Oh, I wrote it down. You had to talk about it. Okay. Yeah. The rule says, now let's, let's go with the strict rule first. The rule is a car that is a lap down to the entire field, entire field, gets the blue flag. Otherwise, no blue flag. So what were your thoughts on, you know, A, the rule, B, what happened, and C, if you were to change the rule, what would you change it to? Because this is something I think I talked about with my dad after after the race on Sunday, because I have an idea, but go ahead. I... I don't know. I, I think I got to give Benjamin Peterson some respect here and some credit for basically driving as defensively as he did and kind of putting up a fight. Was it necessary? No, I don't think it was. I don't think it really had any impact on his race or his result. And it probably just angered people throughout the field who were getting really annoyed at passing him. I think at the point where his team or where other teams are approaching your team or Chevy or whoever Pelot's team basically went to go ask Peterson to move out of the way, you should just comply. I think you're, you're not really winning anything at that point, but I don't know. I think when you're racing for AJ Foyt and you're a rookie, you also have to put yourself in his shoes, right? He's at the back in probably the, not the most competitive road course car. And he's, I mean, fending off the leader of the race. That's pretty impressive in that, even though he's not, you know, on the lead lap necessarily. Yeah. He's getting himself on the broadcast. He's getting himself talked about. He's doing something, you know, impressive. So rather than really skewer him, as I think they kind of did on the broadcast, you got to put yourself a little bit more in his shoes. And I'm not excusing what he did because it, it did get to a point where it's like, dude, just come on. Like admit defeat, admit reality and move over. But I do respect him for hanging on as long as he did. So I did I cut you off? Sorry. No. Okay. 
the way you looked up and I was like, oh, crap, I, I don't know if I'm if you were done. So when he was defending against Polo and Polo was in the lead, cool. I have no issue with it. And then, like you said, eventually it's like, dude, just just you got to especially once once whoever it was, I think McLaren was talking to the Chevy people like, hey, can you can you help him work with us here? And he wasn't willing to work with us. Like, yeah, that's a big like that's not I'm sure AJ was proud of him and I get it. But that's, you know, nobody's going to nobody on the track and the track on the track is going to give you the benefit of the doubt next time you're going to get raced mm-hmm. twice as hard. You're not going to be given any room, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely like maybe not a not a great look from the, from that standpoint. Because once so I think I would change the rule slightly. And once oh, you are lapped, you that. yeah, it's okay. Once you, I didn't really think you had much of a change because I of, of kind of where you were coming from. Let's let's just say instead of the whole field, it's the top five or top eight. Once you are lapped by the top five, you know, guys on track, you are given the blue flag because if you are not given the blue flag at a track like Mid Ohio, everybody behind is just stuck. And, you know, it's just you're you're and it it should be, hey, you know, like a suggestion, like, hey, let's go talk to Chevy or Honda, like work with us here when there's a guy behind, you know, can we can we do something? And then if you know, you give a certain period of time and you know nothing's happening, like, OK, bro, you know, you've gotten lapped by the first four or five cars, like it's time to you know get the blue flag. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with that. Once you've seen, if you're not fast enough to to keep yourself kind of from getting lapped by the first, what you're saying, you know, five, yeah. 10 cars, if you go down that far, then at that point, you should be moving out of the way because I you're think, just affecting the race outcome for no reason. I think the whole field is just like, you know, waiting for a guy to be lapped by the whole field is almost like too much because unfortunately there are going to, to be wreck guys. Out. Right. There are going to be guys who you know, have damage and they're just kind of coasting around in the back. There are guys who also aren't up to speed and don't have a great car, or there are guys who are just going to be so far off strategy because of something happens that they are just, you know, on another side of the track and it's just never going to happen. And don't get me wrong. Like, Peterson did a fine, fine drive. You know, he didn't do anything dirty or whatever. He just, it's just, it just got exa- after a while. It was just exhausting. I was just thinking about it, and Marcus Erickson would have had to come back out and lap Peterson, right, for him to like have to move over because it's the entire field. So I think because Peterson had damage, or Peterson had, Erickson had damage, and with so many laps down, it, it he would not have counted in that because uh, that would have been funny. I think it's like you know every essentially every lead lap car. Is okay. how I understand the rule. So in a given race, you probably have now mid Ohio. There's really not very many cautions at mid Ohio ever, but there's usually on a given race weekend, 18 to 20, 22, maybe lead lap cars. Mm-hmm. If there's not some like crazy accident sort of thing, which is just too much. So yeah, I'm with you on that. Should we make Oh, the Toronto is not this weekend. I, I, I have. Oh, 
Fourth of July being in the middle of the week is really throwing me off. Oh, yeah. But I have one other thing actually from the race to yeah, ask you about. So on the broadcast, I wrote this down because I was just kind of, I don't know, a little, little bit confused by it. Yeah. Connor Daly was really complimented on the broadcast for running just behind Elio in the Meyer Shank car. Mm-hmm. Is that giving him too much credit or like praise? I don't, I don't really, to me, like good for him. I'm glad that he was able to run the race, but he run. I mean, Elio is at this point, not someone who is viewed as competitive on road courses. And what did he finish 20th? And where did Elio finish? Oh, Elio finished 21st. So for me, I think Simon would have done way better than that is my just guesstimate. And I'm not trying to be mean to Connor, but for them to bring it up on the broadcast and be like, wow, he's doing such a great job. Do you, did you, I, that was weird to me. I didn't, it was, he, he wasn't like running in the top 10 while Elio was way down. He was just running exactly on the pace with Elio in the same car. In in the grand scheme of things, it was a drive that was not super impressive. But given the fact that the car was total, oh, that was one. I'm going to talk about Pagano, Pagano's comments uh, when when we get a second afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given that the car was totaled and totally rebuilt, and Connor. Mm-hmm you know, learning a new steering wheel, learning a new team and any lingo. And I'm not going to say it like makes it like a great drive, but it was one of those, like he kept it clean. He came home. He's either on the lead lap or a lap down at the end. I, I forget, but not it was 20th. So or, let me look, not a bad drive. Not, not as impressive no. as, the, as the broadcast makes it out to be, but like, yeah. I don't have an issue with them saying like, you know, good, good effort, Connor. Like, you know, you, you tried like good, good work. You know, it's definitely a tough circumstance to walk into. I guess I, I just, someone who's been in IndyCar for 10 years and run over a hundred races. I figure he should be able to jump into an IndyCar. And I mean, the chassis hasn't changed, right? I mean, the setup I'm sure is different, but it would have been impressive if he finished 10th, not 20th. I mean, like you said, he kept it clean. There's nothing to like make fun of him for or to what uh, basically complain about. But I just it, the praise that they heaped upon him on the broadcast just seemed like that's fair. Strange. So kind of speaking on that car, when Pagano had his brake failure. I, I forget, What turn was that? Was that turn four? Why am I drawing a blank on what turn that was? Or was that? Yeah, I think you're right, but I'll find out. So for sure. while you're while you're looking, you know the the gravel and and whatnot before the the tires kind of slopes down a couple feet a little bit, which I think added to or maybe caused Pagano to go from flying into the wall to somersaulting into the wall. And he was pretty frustrated saying, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, you know, that the the drop and the runoff is incredibly unsafe. And like he was pretty angry at mid-Ohio, kind of reading between the lines at what he was saying. So I don't think either of us are safety experts or runoff experts per se, but 
I'm curious if you what what you thought about his comments. I'm pulling them up too. He basically, yeah, he just said it's downhill, which is nuts. The car took off, I hit the gravel, and it just rolled. Um. Uh, yeah, I guess I don't even really. How do you would how would you fix that? What he was complaining See, about. The only thing I could think, and again, like, please don't take this literally and leave like a crazy podcast review or something, but maybe you fill in or maybe you kind of you'd have to almost fill in that entire back area to like level like level out that back area yeah. essentially, like add in dirt. So like it's not an easy task. I saw some ridiculous like let's put pavement there. Like, I don't understand what that would do by any means, but you know, it kind of, okay. I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's really all that much can be done. I get being mad. You just somersaulted through the freaking air for a quarter mile. And, you know, I don't know if he has a concussion or he just, you know, when you when you hit when you do that with those G forces, they're like, listen, you're going to sit for tomorrow because safety, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But because we could see symptoms show up later. Sure. On. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's probably the right call. And I get you're frustrated because of that. But I just I don't know what they would do. Yeah. Other than, like you said, literally move Earth into that area right. of the track to make uh, right. it level which would be pretty crazy effort yeah literally moving earth which is kind of funny to think about okay so f1 do we have any i don't think there's any indycar news i don't think there's no. any news period nope not really there's just a little bit of f1 news before we i guess talk a bit about austria okay so first thing, Fred Vasseur has chimed in on Andretti's uh, yes. potential. Did I, I was going to call it potential, but no, I don't think you did, but I just found it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, my position is that 10 teams that made huge efforts, even when it was tough to be on the grid and to survive for some of them. Now, if we had to welcome an another team, it has to be for mega good reasons. The fact that you have an American team is not a good reason. Because for me, first, we have an American team, thanks to Haas. And the second one is that if you want to be at the top in the country, it's a matter of drivers. Look at what's happened in the Netherlands. It's the biggest success of the world today, and they don't have a team. They just have Max. I think first, we have a good success in the U.S. If you want to increase the success in the U.S., it's more of a matter for me to have an American driver. It's not about the team. I'm kind of all over the Come place on. with this one. Like, I think it it might actually be more about an American driver than an American team. I don't, like, hate that statement in and of itself. And you know, I don't... What team's actually going to try an American driver? Other than I, Andretti. Correct. I, I yeah. didn't say it was, like, an infallible statement. And then... I think that's the biggest word I've used all week. I... Infallible. I yeah. Nobody said my vocabulary was big. I also think that there are concerns about so I found it interesting and I, I've noticed this like in the original like press release with, with, with the Cadillac press release and GM. They're making it seem like it was like the most amazing earth shattering news and it's super cool, but they're just rebadging a Renault engine at least 
at least for a couple years. And even then, like, I, I think that you'd have to build like an entire facility to build an engine and Andretti's new shop is not going to be ready until 2025. And I imagine an F1 engine facility is going to be like on top of that. So it's a lot. And so essentially they're just rebadging an engine, but like trying to pretend they're doing more than that. And I think that's what like, you know, big Frank and a couple other guys have mentioned over the last couple of months, by the way, I'm sure not many people who listen to this watch it, but I was watching the tour de France with my dad the other day. And there's a team owner, Cedric Vassour, who has no relation to Frederick Vassour. And it's the most disappointing bit of like wow news. I, I couldn't find anything on Wikipedia that said they were in any way related. So, okay. I was I, I literally was about to send a message to the PLP Twitter group like, guys, look at this connection. Like, this is cool. Like, Ferrari team boss brother runs a Tour de France team, and I guess not. Anyway, but the rest of it, I mean, listen, I think at this point, like, the writing is on the wall. I I I don't see any way in which Andretti is is picked if a team is even picked, and. I think you and I have said that for, I don't know, well over since the Sauber thing fell apart. Well, you know, at this point, that was a year and three quarters ago. So I just, I don't know. I feel from a monetary perspective, I know I'm rambling here. From a monetary perspective, I get that teams don't want to lose out on money that they're getting prize wise right now. But from an everything else perspective, I just don't understand the logic. Me neither. Especially because, and I'm not trying to be mean again. I feel like I've said that a couple of times. Maybe I just have mean thoughts and I have to preface them with that so they don't aren't taken that way. I think if it was Chip Ganassi or Penske or, I don't know, just a team, a team like that that was joining... I would understand that there would be fear of, wow, they might come in and be really competitive. But Andretti, as we've talked about, I think is has a foot in a lot of different series. And yes, they are competitive, but I also think that adding F1 to it might actually make things harder for them, even though I understand why they want to join. So I would I might be concerned about their ability to field an F1 team and do it consistently well. I mean, they'd have flashes because they're gonna they would put a good driver in, but I'd also be worried that it might end up being somewhat embarrassing. Like it might be a Haas 2.0 type thing where they don't look that good, and it's then it, everyone laughs at us and Andretti. Is that that's an interesting point I didn't think about in Andretti taking on too much? So you know they're building a new shop. They have an IndyCar team with four guys that is, you know, at least going to have one change next year, we think, mm-hmm. in Devlin maybe kind of not being there. I have an Indy next team with four drivers. I don't even remember. I think they have four. Chadwick. Yeah. My my homie James Rowe, Jamie Chadwick, Louis Foster. 
Oh, uh, okay. Take out one of those. And Louis, so I said Louis Foster and Hunter McElroy. So yeah, four. Right, four. So yeah, it's, and yeah, then they have Formula E. Formula E. They have these, you know, their, their name connection. IMSA connection, supercars in Australia. They have, you know, Walkinshaw, Andretti. And, you know, now they, them and Gamebridge just bought into the NASCAR side of the program. You know, Marco is running at mid Ohio this weekend for NASCAR trucks. And so that Gamebridge is going to be on at least trucks. It might be Xfinity too. I, the press release came out a couple of days ago when I was super busy. So I haven't read through that yet but yeah it's just it is a lot going on at once every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Speaking so, of it, yeah. Before before we get to the rest of the news, I forgot that we need to mention that NASCAR races at Atlanta this Sunday. Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta. It's at least it's it's so it's on USA. At least it's a night race, so it won't be like eight thousand degrees. Hopefully, it's at seven p.m. on USA. I'm sure. So I think trucks and Xfinity are also there this weekend. I don't have times because I forgot to mention this sooner this week. You'll see the ads pop up with artwork on social media throughout the weekend. So keep an eye out on that. The Chicago race, like there are definitely things that they need to work. Like the city kind of maybe didn't communicate very well, but Mm -hmm. the actual race wasn't too. And now it's still too long. It was still a four-hour race that got shortened by 25 laps because of darkness. But it was still pretty entertaining. Like I definitely oh, yeah. like I was like, okay, like this is this is fun. So I think I'm gonna go like semi-hot take before we talk about F1. This might not be a hot take. As a whole this year, I have thoroughly enjoyed NASCAR more than F1. Like I don't even think it's that close right now. Maybe not from a tracks perspective. Some of these like intermediate ovals aren't that interesting, but from a racing perspective, the racing has been definitely better in NASCAR this year. I personally love NASCAR road course racing. It is 
fantastic to watch for me. I, I mean, the super speedways where it's just like kind of a wreck fest are not my favorite. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I'm excited to see Atlanta this weekend. Like you mentioned, Saturday at 1.30 p.m. is the truck race at Mid-Ohio. And then okay. Xfinity yeah. is at Atlanta with Cup. It's That's Saturday night at 8. And then oh, that's yeah, not bad. Sunday is 7 p.m. for Cup at Atlanta. But no, I I'm, think, I'm excited. I think I will. Shane Van Gitsburg, man. He's so like. I, we're going to repeat a point here and I, I just want to talk about it because I found it interesting. It's like Sunday. I was like, Holy shit. Like, and like, I've seen this guy race supercars. He's obviously a beast. And then mm-hmm. I kind of heard Rossi and Hinch talk about it. I listened to their episode while I was uh, doing some work this morning and they were like, yeah, he's good, but he seen, he looked even better because none of the regular NASCAR guys have, most of them have never driven a street circuit before, you know, other than mm-hmm. maybe some guys have done some IMSA events and whatnot. So he, I think he got like an added bonus in the fact that he had, he was the most experienced street car driver out there or street track driver out there all weekend. Still, he's awesome. And it was really cool. Okay. What other F1 news do we have? Um, Max Verstappen has revealed what his dream formula would be for the future of F1. And I love it. He essentially says that the new, like the current cars are incredibly fast. Um, the 20 and 21 cars were a bit more agile and more fun, but they were still heavy. He said he would totally get rid of the hybrid. Uh, whenever he jumps back into a V8 car that he's able to drive, he's surprised at how smooth the engine is. The top speed is a bit slower than what they have now, but the pickup of the engine and the torque, so smooth, and the upshifts is more natural, to, is what he says. And then he also loved the weight to go way down to about 550 or 500 kilos. And the last thing is he wants big tires, like gone away. He wants smaller tires because you can see better when you're going into corners and hit an apex. So I think if the guy is one of the all-time greats and is just winning like nonstop F1 should probably listen to him and his formula because this is going to be influential. People are going to read what he said here. And if you don't make an effort to maybe at least meet him in the middle, then you're going to look like an idiot. Also, he's your biggest star right now besides Lewis and you want to keep him interested. So I would suggest that Max Verstappen knows good racing. And if this is what he wants, give him what he wants, or Yas Verstappen will come probably punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Ow. Sorry, I just smashed my arm on the table. I... You're punched by Yas Verstappen. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it is so hot out. It's hot in here. And I like am literally losing focus as, as we record because I'm sweating in here even after I turn down the air. But yeah, I mean, how do you not listen to the guy that is so bored in the middle of the race? He's like, I'm going to pit so I can try for the fastest lap, even though like, I really like, hilarious. if, if, if one thing goes wrong in the pit stop, I might not win the race. So, you know, like it's uh, listen, ballsy. And I, I didn't hate it. And some people are like, Oh, that's so dumb. I thought it was fun. Because it's literally the only thing he could have done 
That was fun. Yeah. He can't lose at this point. Like all weekend. So what? He right. finishes on the podium. <laughs> right. Fine. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just I don't know how you you don't listen to him like like you said, but also, man, eh. Yeah, yeah, continue. So F1 now is going to have an 11th team on the grid this weekend at Silverstone because Brad Pitt's Apple TV movie is starting filming with this golden black livery that looks a little bit like the John Player special Lotuses from the 70s. And I guess it went into the 80s. It's clear they were going for rich energy vibes. Oh, Okay, that's not what I immediately associated it with, but now I'm not going to be able to get that out of my head. However, here his, for. his driver name is Sonny Hayes, showing on the picture that I see, and it's the, what's the movie's called? Apex. So we're going to see that a few times this weekend. I'm excited to see this movie. Maybe it's going to be cheesy. I don't know the plot, but I, I'm pretty sure he's driving like a, an F1 or an F2 car that's kitted yes. out to look like yeah. a an F1 car. So it's got a little bit longer wheelbase to kind of make it look like an F1 car, but I don't think the movie actually has an actual title yet. It's got like a working title, but I was just reading about it before. Anyway. Yeah. That's, it's cool. I don't know. It's kind of weird that like Brad Pitt is 60 years old, 61 years old. No way. He's not that old. I think he's like, he's uh, Older than we think. He's 50s tops. 59. Okay, you were closer than I thought. Yeah, yeah, screw you. So he's, you know, 59, 60 years old. And the average F1 driver is done F1 by their late 30s, early 40s, if they're good enough. So how do you reverse engineer age someone by 20? I guess CGI does crazy things, but... The new Indiana Jones, apparently they did that. Oh uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. So I, I know, but I will. I, one of my coworkers was saying that, like the first like twenty five minutes of the movie is all Harrison Ford CGI, like it's not even him, and it's mm-hmm. not it's very noticeable. So yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in the movie. Yes, I'll watch it. It's on Apple TV, so I already pay for it. So sure, I'll watch it, but. Actually, you know what I watched on Apple TV last night that was really good? It was a war movie with Tom Hanks. It's called so Rayhound. Ryan? No, no. Just kidding. <laughs> Damn. It's called Greyhound. He's like uh he's a, a warship a driver. Captain. Oh, okay. And uh it was I like I, I put it on at like 10 30. I'm like, all right, I'll fall asleep. I'll watch the rest tomorrow. I would stayed up late to watch the entire movie last night. It was very good. I'll have to watch that World War II movie. Yeah. Or okay. I'll have to check yeah, that I don't, out. Is I it don't new? Give a, I think it came out a couple years ago, but like I don't I don't know if it like just went on Apple oh, TV. 2020. Or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's I don't know. I found it interesting. Anyway. Do we have another sprint race at Silverstone this weekend? Am um, I making that up? Am I am I like delusional? I don't know, but we we do have the the twenty twenty four calendar revealed. Yay! To to mention, if you want to comment on that at all. Yeah, we're going to more places where 
bombs can go off nearby and i mean china's china china is china i think 24 races is about three or four too many still but you know i don't have any say in that and it won't change and i still think doing las vegas at one o'clock in the morning eastern time this year and probably next year is ridiculous but you know i'm just the old man screaming at the clouds we do not have a sprint this weekend. It's a regular race weekend. Oh, thank God. Sprint races and- now, even for like people who follow motorsports, are confusing because I don't know like what is qualifying for sprint race, what is qualifying for the race on Sunday, when is the sprint race? Because every like everything is so confusingly worded and the rules are more difficult to follow than they used to be that it's just uh, honestly I I watched the first half of the sprint race. I watched the second half of the sprint race kind of doing things around the house, but I didn't watch anything else until the race on Sunday. Didn't watch sprint qualifying or practice or anything. Cause I, it's just too hard to follow right now. Wow. What kind of an F1 journalist are you? A very jaded, very, very jaded. <laughs> well, wait until next year when we go from March 2nd in Bahrain, to December 8th in Abu Dhabi. That's straight nine months of season. Good Lord. There are babies who will be born before the end of that F1 season. <laughs> Did you know Mick Schumacher tested the McLaren? I saw Portimao? a picture. I didn't a know what was driver. happening. Yeah, I didn't know what was yeah. happening, but I did see a picture. Yeah, it's interesting. So I I didn't know that was happening either. So I guess he's the reserve driver for now. I I don't know. Mixie March keeps popping up everywhere. So maybe this is not the end of his F1 tenure. Shows the teams are at least still interested. Maybe he'll just stick around as a a test driver forever or like a reserve driver. There are some people who did that, like Nick Heidfeld, I feel like was in forever. But then eventually he got another season. So you never know. But I'm also the last two things before I guess we preview the weekend is that we have two new liveries and I love both of them. The Aston Martin with the Valvoline flare on it with the red and blue from Valvoline looks really good. I mean, the Aston Martin just looks amazing anyway in that color scheme and then add just kind of tasteful red and blue flashes over it. And it looks also great. Williams, I do love it. It's not a massive change. Uh, I am a biased Williams fan just from my youth. I do. I wish that they had done like some Canon Williams tribute or like I said the other day, like what was it? The Saudi livery because they literally got yeah. their first race win in that green and white livery. But I don't know. I guess they have to have. They have to make it consistent and look kind of like the car. So, I mean, they have a giant. I guess um, Union Jack flag on it and some golf accents. And I don't know. I like it, it says 800 on the side. It's their 800th rate, 800th race, which is pretty insane to think about. Yeah. The SMR one is cool. It's, you know, it's not a huge change. So, like, I don't have strong thoughts about that. To be honest, the Williams one does absolutely nothing for me. And maybe that's because I'm not a biased Williams fan, but 
and like I don't hate it. It's just it's it's not enough of a change for me to like really care at all. Like I have no, I just I don't care about it. Like literally, it's it's there. The flag is the Union Jack flag in white is boring. I I also. I like the like the Duracell battery thing that they do. Like that's kind of a, a fun little touch. I don't hate it, but it looks like even more out of place on this livery than it does on the normal one for some reason. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was just like looking to pick it apart when I was annoyed yesterday at it. But yeah, I I honestly couldn't care less about this new Williams livery. Like I don't ever want to see it again after the race. Sometimes I wonder why we even talk about F1 when that's how you respond to the liveries. I have done nothing but shit all over everything F1 related today. And yes, I'm still going to watch the race on Sunday. Okay, good. Which, here's the schedule. Practice 1, 7.30 a.m. tomorrow, or as you're listening to this today, Friday. Practice 2 is at 11 a.m. on Friday. Practice three is on Saturday at 6.30 a.m. So Definitely for those early birds, they will nope. maybe check that out, but it's practice, so I don't know if I'll make an effort for that. Qualifying is at 10 a.m., perfect time, in my opinion, yeah. 9 or 10 yeah. on Saturday morning, and then Sunday the race is at 10 a.m. Yeah, that's not a bad time. Okay. Oh, our predictions from Austria. We never reviewed them. Oh, yeah. How bad did I do? And I never asked you my question that I had about the race. How do you feel about Lewis's whining on the radio and like Toto literally having to like jump in and basically tell him to shut up and drive the car? Yeah, it's annoying because like there's as a driver, you can't control what other people are doing. So it's like, okay, like, hey, you know, he's clearly cheating here. But, you know, as evidenced by the fact that like there were twelve hundred track limits violations. I don't know if it was during the race or the entire weekend. Both. But nonetheless, you know, who cares at that at some point, it's like, OK, literally everybody's cheating. You're cheating. You're doing the same, not cheating, but, you know, you're breaking the rules, <laughs> you know, so it's just like, shut up. Like everybody else is is frustrated at the same thing. So like, you know, Toto came in like all like. School principal style and just like, was yeah, like, yeah, shut up. We know you can't drive the car. The brakes are hard. Like it is what it is. Because at some point, like when the driver is like, guys, I can't turn the car. I can't do this. I can't do that. He's cheating. Everybody else on the team that like, you know, the arrow guys or whatever, like are like crying at their desk or crying in the pit lane because they're like, this guy hates us. He hates everything we've done. And now you've just ruined the entire team's morale because you're acting like a baby. So, yeah. And Lewis is usually so like what I almost think of as not fake positive but it almost comes off as fake because he's like the team's yeah. amazing great job guys but then this was the total opposite of that and i it's embarrassing i think for him to be acting that way it's like just put your head down you're being paid millions and millions of dollars to do this i understand but your car's still in the top 10 it's not like you're driving a car at the back of the grid maybe something will happen and maybe you'll get something right on strategy Stop being so negative and just do your job. Because if you're really that fed up with driving, then you can retire from the sport. But you don't actually want to do that. We all know that. So please 
just stop the whining, go back to old Lewis, who was more positive and fun to watch. And just go get that eighth championship that we know he wants to get before he retires. Yeah. And I, you're allowed to be frustrated and have a rough weekend. That car clearly was lagging behind a couple others, like not even close, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. How are I hear rage instead of whining then? Like, yeah, for some reason, that's what I would prefer. I want to hear Yuki style rage. If you're mad about your car, then curse out your team and say really terrible things instead of like whining. That's more fun. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) We've both gone unhinged at points in this episode. It was so Lance Stroll of him to whine that way. Yeah, that's okay. That's a good point. How are our predictions? Okay. Good weekend. I said Lando Norris. He finished fourth. I think he had an excellent weekend in that McLaren. The updates look pretty good. You said Lance Stroll. He finished ninth. Not terrible because Fernando was not that far in front of him. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So I would say neither of them had a bad weekend. For bad weekend, I said George Russell who finished seventh. I would not say that's a bad weekend. That's pretty much about where that Mercedes car belonged. You said Nick DeVries, who finished 17th and was, I would say, embarrassing in a different way. (laughs) He was his usual way of pathetic and embarrassing. Yeah. What do you you call him? An Oompa Loompa? (laughs) Not to put uh, you on the it's spot. just uh yeah we'll we'll see what happens with him but anyway I know George Russell's your least favorite driver on the grid Nick DeVries may be mine yeah I mean honestly I think like in terms of young British drivers like Lando Norris is is head and shoulders above George Russell I almost I, I totally forgot who we were talking about already. Okay, so this weekend at Silverstone, um, McLaren should have some more of their update. And I think Mercedes has a new front wing. So maybe Lewis will cheer up a little bit and be more competitive on home soil. One can hope for that. Uh, Should we do some predictions? Yeah, who's having a good weekend? I am going to say that... Oscar Piastri does well in the upgraded Mercedes or McLaren. All right. Fair. Uh, I will take Fernando Alonso. I think he's going to get a P2 this weekend. Okay. I'm going to put that down. Bad weekend. Hmm. Let's say. And you can't pick Nick DeVries anymore. Sergio Perez. Okay. Yeah, he struggles to put consecutive good weekends together. It's a good choice. Uh, I'm going to say that Ferrari will be incapable of repeating their success from Austria, and Carlos Sainz is going to be made to look like a fool again, as he said after the race. Yep, okay, that's fair. I think we'll keep predictions there for F1 because it's hard to 
hard to, you know, kind of do anything else anyway with that right now. So, so you're going to say care? <laughs> no, I didn't want to do that. But yeah, it's... Oh, we have threads now. Tell people that. Oh, yeah. We have a new Instagram threads app that's like Twitter, but Instagram... We have that. If you are on there, it's literally the same as our Twitter. Mine is the same as my Twitter. French uses mine is now too. I changed okay. it. Okay. So now my Instagram username also is French EPLP. So <laughs> and so is Sarah's. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's that's it. I think Malukas is the same on there as well. So go check that out. Again, thank you to our friends at Factor. For sponsoring i think the website is factor75.com i literally i placed an mm-hmm. order while we were recording for six more meals and check that out we'll also have some social media as for it potentially we're not sure if they're approved yet so because yeah. of you eating it i mean if you want pictures of me eating it like that's fine maybe no, i'll do a I live stream that. while i mean i'll do a live <laughs> i'll do a live episode while i'm eating what's that called but, again there's a name for that where people ASMR. put on youtube ASMR, like weird, I like had a different name, like weird, like you know, like like the sounds. Sort <laughs> no, of don't, thing. don't do it, don't do it. I'm That's not, so not going to do this. It's so, it's so gross. We're going to lose all of our sponsors and all of our listeners in like five minutes. But I start doing. Oh, it's called a mukbang. Oh, that sounds very raunchy. And we should probably end the episode now that we've gone completely. No, 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 no. It's, it's. I think it's because it's from Korea. It's like it's a Korean word. It's M U K bang. Yeah, so it doesn't like make it any better to me. or something. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Nope. Nope. We've gone. We've gone completely off the rails now. NASCAR is this weekend. IMSA is this weekend at Most Sport. F1 obviously is at Silverstone. CTMP. NASCAR is at Atlanta. Goodbye. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.